behaviour policy. Now, this is where some teachers go wrong and have difficult classes and find it difficult to deal with behaviour in their lessons because they don't implement the school's behaviour policy consistently enough or at all in some cases. Now, yes, there are some schools that don't have an effective behaviour policy. They don't and the students don't care. They're not worried about the consequences, doesn't affect them, they're not scared of them or SLT aren't supportive. So maybe there is a behaviour policy in place, but SLT don't carry out their side of the bargain, as, as so to speak, effectively enough. And kids get away with things, unfortunately, as a result of that. Now, in this situation, it's vital as a teacher for you to implement your own behaviour management in your lessons and do so consistently and effectively so that you can still manage behaviour effectively in your lessons. Um, now, when it came to observing teachers, training teachers, I noticed that they weren't implementing the behaviour management behavior policy of the school effectively enough in my previous school. So they'd be given warnings and warnings and warnings and warnings after warnings to students um, for their behaviour, but they wouldn't follow through with the consequence, they wouldn't follow through with the behaviour policy. Um, or, for example, they would just pull the students to one side and threaten them, so to speak, like say, well, this is going to happen if you don't stop. And they'll say that over and over again every time the, the, the kids, I've already spoken to you, this is going to happen if you don't stop but then they don't actually follow through with anything. Now that is where the problem lies. If you're not consistent enough with behaviour management, if you're not consistent enough with implementing the behaviour policy of the school, then the students are just going to get away with things and they're going to know they can, they're going to keep pushing boundaries. Now, in my previous school, we had a behaviour policy which involved warnings. So you give two warnings to students in a lesson for disruptive behaviour, whatever behaviour, there were different um, categories for behaviour, but silly behaviour, disruptions in a lesson, you'd give warnings to students, but only two, up to two warnings. The third time the student does that, they persist with the behaviour. Then on that third time, you do an on-call where a member of SLT come and collect the student and take them to seclusion. Now, this worked effectively, it did, but only if you implement the behaviour policy correctly and consistently. Um, and this is, I was a stickler for this. I believed in implementing behaviour policy effectively and consistently and not letting kids off here and then because that makes your life as a teacher difficult. So I made sure I did it every single lesson. I made sure I used it every single lesson. I made sure that I gave my warnings, my two warnings, and then a third time on call. And not only did I do this because of my classroom management and to improve my classroom management and to make me more effective in dealing with behaviour at the time, but also because of observations. If you don't consistently implement the behaviour policy and get used to doing it and get better at it and good at doing it consistently and fairly, and it comes to an observation and suddenly you go, oh, I've got to try, I've got to implement behaviour policy because that's going to be, I'm going to be picked up on that for that, then you could be in trouble there because if you haven't used it consistently and effectively in your lessons and students aren't used to it, they're going to say, well, Miss, you don't normally do that and they're going to grass you up, so to speak. And you're going to look bad in your lessons when you're not doing it consistently and someone's observing you. Um, so, yes, at times it can be difficult. So, for example, I used to forget the number of warnings that I gave to students. I said, oh my God, are you number one or number two? Um, but the students are very good at grasping each other up. <laughs> they loved it. They go, oh no, miss, uh, he's on number one, he's number two. Um, and I used to also get to the point where I'd write it down. So I'd write warnings down on a piece of paper. So I know who I gave a warning to and I even just write little notes for what reason so that I didn't lose track of it and students didn't think they'd get away with things. Now by following the policy to letter not only are you making your students aware of your expectations um, but 
you're also making it better for other teachers. If you're all doing it, all members, staff in the school doing it, you're making it better for your other for other teachers and other lessons. So that when they leave your class, they know what to expect in the next lesson. They know what to expect in the next lesson after that. So you're making it better for them. I mean, in the past, in my school, we had a no coats policy. No coats, no earphones, no phones in lessons. And again, I was a stickler with that. I implemented it to the letter to the point my students hated me at times, my year 12 tutor class, I'm never going to forget it, because I was, so, I was so consistent with implementing it. But other teachers let them off. Other teachers let them wear their coats, let them listen to their music and lessons on their phones, because they didn't want to deal with the consequences, they didn't want to deal with the issues that surrounded that in terms of forcing the students to put their coats and phones away, for example. Um, but I didn't. I said, well, that's not me. This is my lesson. These are my rules. This is the school's policy. Not allowed to. And I consistently did it. I even took a box to, to lessons for them to put their phones and earphones in. Um, and yes, they didn't like me, but eventually they respected me for it because I was fair. I didn't let one student off and then forced and then implement it with another student. I was fair and consistent. And eventually they liked me and respected me for it. Um, now, I have had staff in the past that think that oh, I'm, I implement it too much and that sometimes you've got to build relationships with students. So, for example, I taught PE for many years, and yes, you get the old students swearing, especially football. You get students swearing, and I'd see other members of staff, my other colleagues, go up to them and have a word and say, look, you shouldn't be swearing, for example. Don't swear, because I'd have to uncall, I don't really want to do that. And I know you're just playing, and they go, oh, sorry, sir, sorry, miss. And they go on with it. But you're putting yourself in a very difficult situation. Because that student, like, let's be honest, they're going to swear again. Of course they are. It's part of their, who they are. They can't help it. Some students swear and don't realise they're doing it. Um, and they might do it down the corridor. They might do it on tennis courts, which happened to me. Um, and if you're not picking up on that and SLTC that, then that's where you're going to get yourself into a sticky situation. So I had a year nine group that I taught tennis to on tennis courts. Um, and this one student... <laughs> Who, I don't remember swearing before this lesson. One student swore at the top of her voice because she missed a shot. It went, it, it, something went wrong in the rally that they were playing. And I had to go over to her. And swearing was an on-call offence straight away. So there are certain things that you on-call straight away, such as swearing or being rude to other students, making fun of other students. Blatantly outright saying to the teacher, I'm not doing it and refusing to do work. Or putting your head down the table. That's a straight on-call. Um, so the students saw, I had to go up to them and I just pulled this one side and said, look, you know now that I'm going to have to uncall you. I know you don't normally swear, but you just swore in front of everyone on tennis courts. It'd be really unfair of me not to uncall you because it wouldn't be fair on other students to swear. Okay, so you understand that I have to do this. And you just talk to the student and make them aware. And she understood, she went, yeah, miss, I know, I get it. So you're still maintaining that positive relationship with your students because you're explaining the situation to them. So when you're on call students, when you're implementing behaviour policy, make them aware of why you're doing that, why you're following through, why you're, if it's an on-call, why you're on calling the student for. But make them aware so they know that they're aware of what's happened. Um, because that shows respect to the student as well. Because you're not just going, oh, on call, you're going out and don't actually explain why. Um, so yeah, make them aware. Now that class was a, were a lovely class, but I had to deal with that one student in that way and let her know and make her aware that obviously I have to uncall you because it wouldn't be fair at all because I could have another student swear another lesson that doesn't normally swear and they'll go but miss you let so and so off last week so it's really important to be consistent when you're implementing your behaviour policy in 
your lessons. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't have any difficult students because I was consistent with the behaviour policy. I did. I had some very difficult students. But this is where your supportive SLT come into play. Um, because if you're on-calling students and they don't get picked up, for example, that makes you look bad. Or if you on-call students and they get taken to seclusion, but then they get let off and off they go to the next lesson, sometimes that's bad as well. Because normally they're kept there until break or lunchtime so they can get gather the information and set some sort of consequence and they're brought back after school for an hour. But if that doesn't happen and your SLT don't follow through with their side of it, then it makes you look bad. Okay, and the students are going to disrespect you and they're going to dis um, disrupt your lessons again in the future. Um, and again, in that situation, you're going to have to implement your own effective behaviour management strategies in your lesson to deal with the behaviour. Um, but you also need to hold your ground when you're implementing behaviour policy in your lessons. So don't second guess yourself just because a student is questioning you and saying, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, that's not right, that's not what I did. Don't second guess yourself, okay? Follow through what you're doing, follow through what you said, because you are in charge of that classroom, okay? Follow through with the consequences. Don't let a student make second guess what you're doing. Um, but when it comes to implementing behaviour policy, it's also important not to humiliate the student, like not to try and get one over on them, for example, because that's that can cause a breakdown relationship, not only with that student, but other students around you. Um, and it's quite disrespectful. You don't want people to treat you like that, so don't treat students like that. I never shouted at students in lessons when I gave them warnings or encored them. I did it in a way that didn't disrupt my lesson. So if I was teaching, I was talking, I could see another student was talking to their partner, I would literally hold my finger, hold my whole number up to show them with my fingers, whether it's warning one, warning two, and I'd look at them. And I carry on talking. So I'd do it in a way that was subtle, but the students knew they were aware and they were like, oh, okay, no, Miss Bottom is just warning. Like I train my student to know that that is what I've just given you a warning so that they are aware of it themselves. So I did it in a sly way. And when I came when it came to on-calling the student, I didn't do it in public and go, oh, you're on call, you've done this, blah, blah, blah. I said to him, I'm going to speak to you in a minute and carried on talking, finished off what I was doing, set the students on their task. And then I went over to the student and said, right, I'll be on calling you for this reading. I gave you warning number one for this, warning number two for this, and you persisted in this. So now I'm on calling you. So don't do it publicly. Don't humiliate students publicly. It's not good for their self-esteem. It's not good for anxiety. Um, and there are students that will thrive and crave that. They love to be the centre of attention good or bad in lessons. So don't do it publicly, don't humiliate them, just go over to them and talk to them separately, but make sure you follow through with the policy and follow through with exactly what you need to do in terms of being consistent with dealing behaviour. If you wouldn't mind sharing this video and just leave me a comment, let me know what your behaviour policy is like in your school and your experiences of implementing behaviour policy in your lessons. And if you'd like further support, if you're struggling as a trainee teacher or an early careers teacher with behaviour management and managing the classrooms effectively, then come join me at Thames Teaching Tips. There's a link somewhere below this video. Just click on the link. You can use, copy and paste it into your web browser. For six pounds a month, that's one pound 50 a week, around 20p a day, you receive strategies on a weekly basis to support you in the classroom, to help you improve your classroom management, develop your skills, engage your learners, and pave your way to becoming an outstanding teacher.